Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my fiance, Carol. How are you doing today, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a good week here. It is January 23rd, night. 1999. It is. And you know what's coming. Valentine's Day? Yeah. <laughs> I was confused because there's so many things coming. Well, I mean, our wedding's coming up. Yeah, that's coming up. That's what I thought you were referring to, but... But then you said Valentine's Day, and, went, you know, that's also coming. I went so. with Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's all it's all coming, baby. <laughs> so I'm uh, kind of freaking out now. Getting too you, close. Oh, you got cold feet? No, but it's just a lot. It's a lot to deal with. What's what is there to deal with? All the planning, all the like fucking you know like seating charts and like food choices and like bridesmaids dresses and mm-hmm. all of the stuff. Yeah, well, we got uh, two weeks. Two weeks we're gonna be married. Ah. <laughs> We've been dating since nineteen ninety four. Right. Well, since 1993, right, you know, right before 94. Before we started the show. Before 94. Yeah. It's been quite a while. It's been quite a journey, Carol. (laughs) That it has. People have said, why don't you put a ring on that finger? (laughs) What? I don't know. Your reactions are a bit muted. I think you're very nervous about this wedding. I'm very nervous and very excited. Sounds good. Uh, you know what I'm very excited about, Karen? What's that, dear? I'm very excited about Sam Raimi. Why? You don't know about you don't know Sam Raimi. I don't. Raimi. What's up? With He's Sam a Michigan Raimi? man. Okay. He's a director. He directed a new movie called A Simple Plan. Okay. About money or something like that. Bill pa- Bill Paxson. Killing people for money or something. I don't know. I mean, not killing people for money. Like, there's, it's a, it's a, like a. Heist? No, it's like a Coen Brothers type thing, I think. Like, he, he was friends with the Coens or his friends with the Coens. Okay. And it's like one of those types of movies where it's like money is at the center of all this, but there's betrayals and murders and stuff. I don't know. We haven't seen it yet. But Sam Raimi, for those of you that don't know, grew up in the area with uh, his brother, Ivan Raimi or whatever. And uh, let's get his whole life story here. And Bruce Campbell. Yeah. You're familiar with Bruce Campbell, Briscoe County Jr.'s own Bruce Campbell. Uh, And um, they uh, made The Evil Dead. It's a great movie. The Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Mm -hmm. And also then Dark Man. Oh, I don't think I've seen Dark Man. Dark Man with Liam Neeson. No. I'm Liam Neeson. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a dark man. I am familiar with Liam Neeson, but everybody knows I'm a dark man. It's like uh um it's like a Batman type thing. Okay. Where it's it's a comic book and Sam Raimi, I don't know, like he's a like I actually I think Darkman is maybe not in a like I think he's an original character, but it's like a comic book. Okay. It's like a comical book. I think, uh, you know, the Batman movies, the comic book movies that they've made recently suck. Uh, so give one to Sam Raimi. <laughs> Let him direct a Batman. There we go. 
or, See some, how it goes. or something like that. He'd, sure. be, he'd be good at that. Anyway, he wants to make uh, a movie in Detroit again, he says. Yay. Well, that's this movie. Uh, Metro Detroit's own Sam Raimi joins the Hollywood A-list with A Simple Plan, which opened Friday, a dark fable of conscience-crushing greed. It's being widely hailed as the one to watch when Oscar nominations are announced on February 9th. We should watch it. Quote, I was attracted to the fact that in the screenplay, I immediately identified with Bill Paxson's character. Or, or Pullman. Which one is it? Um, I don't know. I know Which who Bill Paxson is. I don't know who Bill Pullman is. Bill Pullman was in uh, While You Were Sleeping. Okay. So that when he takes, you know, leaning. He's, mm-hmm. he's leaning. Uh, so that when he takes the money, $4 million found in a grounded plane, when he makes the, that decision, he dragged me right along with him through the mud, Ramey says, speaking by phone from Los Angeles. Wow, make a movie in Detroit, but speak for on the phone from Los Angeles, huh, Sam Raimi? <laughs> Fucking Hollywood elite. I would love to uh, speak on a phone from Los Angeles. Would you? I mean, I'd like to do a lot more than that in Los Angeles, but yeah. <laughs> what the fuck do you want to do with Sam Raimi in Los Angeles? No, not with Sam Raimi. Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be getting married. <laughs> You're silly. I think we've been taught, in America at least, that money is the answer to a lot of things. In the picture, each of the characters believes that money holds the key to their dreams. Money, money, money. I love money. money. <laughs> I love uh, people that refer to movies as the pictures. <laughs> that does uh, show his age. Obviously, it's great to have some money. Yeah, yeah. I bet. It, I bet it is, Sam. But certainly, as the picture shows, money does not hold ants the answers to our lives. Ramy's Detroit connections are strong. Born in Royal Oak. He grew up in Detroit. Yeah, kind of. Then moved. To, I mean, I think he grew up in, I want to say he grew up in Livonia or something like that. Hmm. But uh, born in Royal Oak, he grew up in Detroit, then moved as a teen to Franklin. He graduated from Birmingham's Seaholm High School and Michigan State University. Okay, so he went to fucking Seaholm. He did not grow up in Detroit. Like, right, exactly. that is not the same thing. He went to Birmingham. <laughs> he grew up in Birmingham. It's like the rich area. Just for those of you who don't understand. It's a local reference. Yeah. Then set up a film shop in Ferndale. We're familiar with Ferndale. Mm-hmm. That's actually where I grew up. Detroit really is a great place to get started making movies because it has a very deep talent pool. Yeah. Come get us, Sam. <laughs> Ramey said. And it's not just the technical part, the labs and so forth. There's also some wonderful acting talent in Detroit theater. Sure. In my own case, I was lucky to be in Detroit as a beginner, because I had a lot of great friends who were into making Super 8 films, and all of us would make pictures after school. Now that he's earned most of the stripes Hollywood has to offer, does Ramey yearn to come home and make a major movie? There's a woman from the Detroit Film Commission who is trying to get us to come back, Ramey says, momentarily unable to remember the name of Janet Lockwood. <laughs> Hmm. And we're trying to find something we can do out there. The right project hasn't come along yet, but it's going to happen. It's I'm going to make it happen. Okay. My, sis, my sister still lives in Metro Detroit. My parents are still there. My nieces and nephews, my cousins. I love Detroit. It's still home. Good for you. Yeah, Sam. Come to Detroit. Build a, a, a film institute. So they've already made this movie, though. Yeah, they didn't film it in Detroit. They didn't? No. I thought that's what he was saying. No, he says he wants to make a movie in Detroit. Uh-huh. By the headline, I thought they'd made this movie in Detroit, too. I thought Bill Paxson or Pullman was just, like, you know, rolling around downtown or something like that. But <laughs> apparently not, I guess. Uh, 
He just wants to make a movie in Detroit. Well, he should, and then we make can, a Batman movie in Detroit. We can audition. Yeah, exactly. Stars. That's right. Or at least you know, extras, whatever. You I could be, be a, a good um, uh, Catwoman. <laughs> I could not because I am so short. Oh yeah, that's true. What's a short film? <laughs> Anyway, well, they can just, you can stand on a box or whatever they do. You know <laughs> you how go. Tom Cruise has to stand on boxes to be uh, the same height as Nicole Kidman or whatever? Oh, my God. That's, that's Nicole awful. Kidman can't wear high heels or whatever. Um, allegedly. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of high heels, though, I wonder if uh, Robin Williams wore high heels for to be as tall as Monica Potter in this movie. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know how tall either of them are. <laughs> I think he's like five, eight, or nine or something. I think he's my height, yeah. which is normal height for all of you out there. But we saw, uh, I believe it was called Patchwork Adams. Patch Adams, yes. You weirdo. Yeah. Hunter Patchwork Adams. I love Robin Williams, and I love his movies, yeah. and I think it's kind of cool and weird that he did two in a row that are both like about mental illness. What Dreams May Come? Mm-hmm. Is about mental... Well, I mean, I guess kind of about mental illness. Yeah, it's heavily about mental illness. What do you mean kind of? His wife killed herself. There's suicide in both of those movies. Mm-hmm. Suicide. They talk about suicide anyway. She commits suicide... In this movie, he's contemplating suicide. Well, and one of the characters, not the main character, commits uh, homicide and suicide. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a, there's a murder. Spoilers, everyone. There's double a murder, murder in this movie. Double murder. Well, is it a double murder? Well, no, you murder mur- yourself. Murder suicide. It's a murder suicide. Everyone. Yeah. It's depressing. Uh probably is that the most selfish of the uh, the murder combinations? Murder I feel suicide. Like yes. <laughs> I feel like that is definitely very selfish. Or is murder get away with it more selfish? But we can talk about that in a minute because I have some things I want to say about it, but yeah, I don't want to get there yet. Let's talk. So yeah, this movie starts with him checking himself into a psychiatric hospital in 1969, the funny year. <laughs> um, and immediately you can see he regretted his decision. They, kind of, yeah, yeah. They lock him in a room with a roommate who won't get off the bed. They're like, uh, bedpans are in the corner if he needs one. He just starts screaming. Yeah. Climbing the wall saying the squirrels are going to get him. Yeah. Imagine being schizophrenic and the worst thing you could come up with is squirrels. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> he was confused by that, too. It's like, squirrels? Yeah. I mean, it's better than, I mean, imagine how much more freaked out he'd be if they were like giant spiders. Yeah, I guess, but like that would—that's where my imagination would go. Yeah, probably. I feel like he—he he didn't have much in the way of imagination. Maybe that not. Character. I don't know. Do, do you feel like hallucinations and delusions stem from one's imagination? Do I feel like that? I pro- yes, kind of. But uh, do I know that at all? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't have any. I do have an aunt that is schizophrenic. I won't mention her name out of uh, you know. Uh, Respect. Respect for her, yeah. But uh, I do have a, an aunt that's schizophrenic, but I don't know much about the disorder. Yeah. I mean, I know a little bit, but I, 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 I kind of agree with you. It probably does have somewhat to do with your imagination. Just like, you know, an acid trip. Um, yeah, well, I'm a little more familiar with that. I know you are. Uh, <laughs> that's why I never did it, because I have a good imagination, and I have a lot of nightmares, and I feel like that, that yeah. would probably feed into it, too. Nightmare in a couple of weeks, huh? No, that'll be a dream come true. Never be able to uh, 
do things with Sam Raimi in Hollywood or whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's okay. That's how you want to get into his pictures. <laughs> that's the way you want to go, whatever. You know, it's like not. I, th- I, I look down on that. <laughs> Me too. You weirdo God. <laughs> <laughs> We're both saying that, I guess. Um, anyway, so, yeah, he uh, checks himself into a psychiatric ward where the doctors don't care at all. Yeah. The doctor is literally not listening to him. Mm-hmm. He's talking about when his dad died. And he's making himself coffee, and he's just like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well. Yeah, and he's, like, writing the whole time, so he's not actually looking at him. And Robin Williams, like, very, in a way that I think a lot of people don't, his character shows more self-awareness than I think a lot of people that suffer from mental illness might have. Yeah. Uh, but he has great insight into his own psychology. And he very, like, clearly talks about his father dying and, and how it affected him and everything. And the doctor's like, and how did that make you feel? And it's like, he just told you. Yeah. So then he started talking about, you know, elephants going up his butt and floating in the sky. And I don't know, like, all the stuff. And the doctor's like, uh-huh, okay. Yeah. And then he's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's yeah. awful. And uh, and then they have group therapy where, you know, nothing happens. Yeah. Rob, because the doctor's just bad. Where there's a guy that has some kind of infirmary where he is, he's raising his hand all the time. He, he's, he said he was catatonic. Yeah, that's, so, what the guy, that's what the doctor said. Who knows? That, that's a, well, no, I mean, that makes sense. It's a form of schizophrenia. Um, really? Yeah. Catatonia. Oh, that, it's scary. <laughs> that's um, scary that that's a mental illness that could just happen to you. Well, it doesn't just happen to you. You have to be schizophrenic. Oh, okay. Or at least, you know, psychotic. One of my, uh, that's one of my fears is being paralyzed, being unable to move, but aware of everything. I don't know if they're aware or not. That'd be like, they I don't that, think they are. They made that movie, um, Awakenings, remember, with uh, uh, Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was, I don't know if they, I, they were like catatonic, I think. They had some sort of catatonia, I think, or they might have had a different kind of disease that is like the same sort of thing where it's just, but they're just, you know, they're just like in wheelchairs, just uh Yeah. I mean, when they're catatonic, they're, they have muscle rigidity and they're just kind of gone mentally. But anyway, he's raising his hand the whole time and Rob Williams is like, I think he has a question. And like, they, <laughs> if they just take it as like, uh, there's a f- couple scenes in here where it's just like, you can tell they're just like. Robin, this like, uh, you're you're coming up with different ways to say that someone's dying. Just ad lib it. Mm-hmm. Just just go off, you know. And like, you know, he just like starts doing all the uh, the things. And you can, I, I'm sure there's there's other scenes too where he's like working with the kids and stuff. Robin Williams is so good when he's on screen with children too. Yeah. Um, but uh, where. Where they're like, um, yeah, just just you know, make the kids laugh or whatever, and like they film it and then they edit it together. The guy that um, that directed this movie directed Ace Ventura: Pet Detective oh, wow. and, and Liar Liar. <laughs> well, he he's definitely stepped up in the world. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a Jim Carrey collaborator, I guess. But, but, but this was a fantastic movie. I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. There's a lot of emotion to the mm-hmm. movie. Oh, yeah. I cried a lot. Based on a true story about uh, uh, Hunter Patch, Patchy Adams or whatever his name is. Um, and his philosophy on 
how to practice medicine. Yeah, because he realized that the doctors weren't listening and didn't care about people. And he's like, you can't help people when you don't care or connect with them. Yeah. So he wanted to become a doctor who actually cares about and connects with his patients. Yeah, they treated diseases, not people. Mm -hmm. And that's like they and that was for a long time how medicine was, where it was be as impersonal as possible. It still is sometimes. I mean, there's still a, a good portion of doctors that are like that. For sure. Especially psychiatrists. Like, yeah. I've seen a lot of psychiatrists. It's like they sucked the personality out of them. Yeah. They have no personality. Like, how do you... And you know they had to care at some point to choose to go into that field, which is why I thought it was really interesting when they're starting med school. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, I'm going to, you know, turn you into doctors and get the humanity out of you. And mm-hmm. it's like, I think they really do that. Yeah, I do too. Or at least they that's I think that's what they they tried to do. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's there's a more humanistic approach that's come. And a large a large part of it is because of the actual Hunter Adams. Mm. Um you know, the the humanist movement of like uh for doctors and, and things like that. I mean, there's arguments both ways. I can see arguments on both sides of uh, everything. But that's that's m- largely what this movie's about. Uh, the movie's the movie has a few different themes: mm-hmm. uh, humanity and the the um, joy of just being alive. I think is one of them. Yep. I don't know. There was um for me there was a lot that I, I personally connected to in the movie because he was talking about his dad died when he was nine. Yeah. My dad died when I was nine, yeah. and when he was talking about it, like I, I was um, impressed with the dialogue. He's like. What was it like? It was like all of a sudden everything was the same, but it was different. Mm. And there was a separation between me and everybody else. And like, yeah. I I couldn't have said that better, but that is what it feels like yeah. to all of a sudden be different. All your other friends haven't gone through this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then like later in life, like I'll just admit, I, I struggle from, with mental illness and I was hospitalized at one point. And I found the same thing where, like, it helped me to try to help other people. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to go into mental health to help people. Yeah. And that was his whole motivation is that he wanted to help himself by helping people. Yeah. I, when he said that, when he was like, you know, I, I realized when I was helping pe- people, I wasn't focusing on my own mm-hmm. problems. Like, I thought to myself, is that good, though? Like, is that just, like, a coping mechanism for not dealing with your own problems? Yeah. Or, you know, maybe... But I guess it depends on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. It's like, if he's not trying to do anything to better himself or whatever, um, and it's just, this is like, it's almost treated like an addiction or whatever, helping people... uh, then it's not as dangerous as a lot of addictions, of course, but it's probably not great for his mental health. But um, if what he's saying is that by helping people, he has, you know, realized a purpose in his life and it's it rounds out his existence and, and uh, you know, that helps basically get rid of the depression, you know, because mm-hmm. he feels like a whole and useful person then that probably is good. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's got to be a balance. And, I mean, it could definitely be a bad thing. Yeah. But I think for him, it was a good thing because it gave his life direction. Still alive today and uh, still building the Gesundheit Institute, um, which is a a free, uh, you know, a projected 
like four, I think they said 41 to 44 bed hospital. Um, it's small. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's going to be free to everyone. I mean, you have to start small, of course. Yeah. That's going to be free to everybody. And, uh, you know, then they can get high quality uh, treatment without having to pay a bunch of, pri- you know, high quality prices for it. Does it say how they're funding that in the stuff you read now? Because that, that would, would be an issue. Grant, I would assume grants and, and things. Donations like too, grants, probably. Donations, yeah. Um, a lot of fundraising type stuff. But that's like his, he, he and his wife and his, um, you know, his friends and everything. That's their big like passion project that they've been doing since uh, since they became doctors. Um, and they've been seeing people, you know, outside of, they're just, they're working on the building basically, uh, at this point. He has been somewhat critical of this movie though. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I thought he would have had to approve the movie. Uh, no, I, apparently not. Hmm. Um, but he says that, uh, much of the movie has been, uh, dramatized or like, I think the, in the article that I was reading about it, uh, he, he said, um. Uh, Hollywoodified, basically, to um, to make it more of a, a commercially marketable marketable film, as opposed to wholly accurate. But I think at this point, I think we re- we realize that biopics like this, uh, or biops, biops, biopics, biopics, okay, that's what they say in British. In, that's what they say in England. Biopics. Um, I think uh, we we kind of realized that a lot of this is dramatized. Yeah. Like, apparently, there was no one uh, Dean that was just the villain against <laughs> him. And they got the villain from Shawshank Redemption to <laughs> uh, to basically play the same role here. Right. Um, I'm going to get you, yeah. Yeah. But he, uh, so apparently, like, that, that people were against him, obviously, but there were a lot of people in support of him, too. Mm-hmm. Um. And then the big, you know, the big thing is that the woman that uh, he falls in love with, Monica Potter, uh, is not a real person. I think that's cheap. That they created this character and made us care about her and then they kill her. Yeah. And she didn't even exist. So there was no purpose other than to fuck with the emotions of the audience. Well, they, so it's, this movie's very classic three-act structure, right? Mm-hmm. And her death represents the low point for the hero. Mm-hmm. That's why it's in there. The part part where he's so close to giving up and Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, no, you fucking piece of shit. We hate each other, but we love each other. Um, Yeah, so I'm guessing he didn't actually go through that at all, that there was no point when he was like, oh, I'm going to give up and stuff. I don't think so. I don't, yeah, and I don't know... I don't know if he, I did not read about it, but I don't know if he almost got kicked out either. Yeah, like, there's, yeah. they just went, oh, this guy's kind of interesting, this is an interesting idea, and then they ran with it. Yeah, but so apparently that, that character is based largely on his actual wife. Who's alive. Yes. Um, and partially on a, a friend of his who was a man who was murdered by a patient, a mental mentally ill patient in a similar type fashion as they describe which they don't actually describe how she was murdered but shotgun he said he said it was involved a shotgun okay uh that's all they said now i do i do think it's it's well filmed Mm -hmm. i like the decision to not show like her being Mm -hmm. killed um it's very like sinister and just simple like 
that shot where it's like shot from the closet. Uh huh. And, you know, he's like, oh, you know, yeah, we, we don't want to be late or whatever. And it's just the way that line's delivered, the line itself is just really cryptic and creepy. And you're like, what the fuck? Um, but, and, and what the reason I think that it's better they didn't show it is not only just to, you know, preserve the, the, PG, I think this is a PG-13 movie or PG movie, mm-hmm. but to not only to preserve the rating and for decorum's sake or whatever, but it's worse yeah. in your imagination. Yeah. Imagining what happened as opposed to seeing it is worse. Unless you're the guy who's the scariest thing you can think of is squirrels, I guess. But <laughs> Right. I mean, yeah, honestly, I kind of imagine that he, he probably raped her, too, before he killed her because it seemed like that. Maybe. It just seemed like that vibe. I mean, I, that, I didn't think about that till now, but maybe. Uh, oh, that was my first concern. Not that he was going to kill her, but. That is true. That was my first concern, too, is that he was going to rape her. But I feel like he probably did both. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, in real life, he did nothing, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess we're, we're <laughs> contemplating this thing that didn't even happen. But, um, but that's movies for you. I mean, in the end, none of it happened. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't. I don't know, like. Like I said, I think it's it's creepier, though. It's creepier. Just how it was portrayed is creepier than if they actually showed it. But as soon as she listened to the message and then we see her going, I was like, oh, God, she's so stupid. Like, mm-hmm. a woman especially should, but no one, honestly, should go by themselves yeah. to a any patient, but especially one who you know has mental health problems, without even telling anyone mm-hmm. that you're going there. Yeah. Because this person's a stranger. Yeah. Just because you've helped them in a clinic or whatever, you don't know them. Yeah. Like, it, it's the same as going to any strange, in going inside any stranger's home. Yeah, you don't, you just don't do that. No. Like, Not if, smart. if, if she was going to go, or if she was like, hey, maybe somebody should check on this person, then you go with somebody else. You go together. Yeah, two people should have been there. And it, the one person definitely shouldn't have been a woman. Although a man can't stand up to a gun either. So, I mean, he could have killed a man who came yeah. to. I mean, they could have, even with two, if he's got a gun, I mean, yeah. you know. But I think you have a better chance with two because you can't point the gun at two people at the same That's time. That's true. That is true. At least one of them might get away or so, get the gun away. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Or maybe he might just lose his nerve if he sees more than one person. Right. You know, like, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Uh what did you think about the depiction of mental illness in the movie? Because at first, I was like, oh, is he just like generic Hollywood crazy? Mm-hmm. Like the guy that was screaming about the squirrels and stuff like that. But then you pointed out after we watched the movie, uh, Schizophrenia, and I was like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Do you like, uh, what do you think about how they depicted this? I think they did a great job. Yeah. And like, especially the, the scene where they're doing the group and he kind of, you know, gets everybody like laughing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you could see that the they're real one. people, mm-hmm. not just acting crazy. Like, and I, I liked that. Yeah. And that, that then later, you know, we saw some of them later in the movie, like out in the world mm-hmm. and not as crazy. Cause that's how it goes. Like people get better mental illness ebbs and flows. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it was a little one flew over the cuckoo's nest to me. Yeah. You when- didn't like it. No, no, I liked it. Oh. But I mean, uh, when when he was in the the mental institution, that's kind of what it reminded me of. 
I mean, he does a Jack Nicholson impression. I'm surprised he didn't pull it out. But oh, he did. Oh, oh okay. I thought you meant in the no, movie. No, like, not I miss in the it? movie. I mean, like in real life, like he does a Nicholson impression. Ah, mm. uh, Robin Williams. But yeah, that that it reminded me of that a little bit. Um, that the beginning of the movie, and then obviously later it it goes far away from that. But then later it reminded me of the movie PCU. Remember when we watched PCU in 1994? Yeah. Why did it remind you of that? No, it didn't. Oh. <laughs> it's just he was at college. So okay. was like, then it reminded me of Animal House. <laughs> you don't you don't remember the part in Animal House where uh, Gopher uh, rapes and murders? That oh girl? dear God! Come on. The most outlandish thing he did in this movie, yeah. was creating the legs in stirrups. Oh my God! On the entrance of the school building to welcome a group of gynecologists that were visiting the school. The fact that he did that by himself is pretty impressive to it. Did he really do it, though? That's what I want to know. Or is this another thing they made up for the movie? They probably just made it up. It seems pretty unrealistic. Paper mache. Yeah. Paper mache giant legs. There's no way he could do that by himself. But yeah, all his friends were like, "Uh, nope, we're out. Walked away from him. Yeah. So, Philip Seymour Hoffman apparently plays the same character in every movie, I guess. I guess, yeah. Yeah, because he he's was always the, the downer. He was the asshole in uh, Scent of a Woman, Hua, the one turning in uh, Chris O'Donnell's mm-hmm. character. And then he was in something else we saw, right? Was it Suicide Kings? I feel like he was in that. Maybe. He was also in uh, Twister. That He played like uh, just kind of Yeah, like he a, was fine. He a, wasn't an asshole. Off the ball. Off the wall guy. Off the ball. Off the ball. He was... <laughs> no balls for him. Oh, my um, God. No, I'm trying to remember. I think there was another one, too. Yeah, I don't remember. But, yeah, he does. He plays a very similar character in a lot of movies. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a decently good actor, I guess. Flatliners. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was the downer there, too. I would just like to see him in, like, maybe, I don't know, a little bit more of a variety of roles. Yeah, that would be... That would be cool. But yeah, he's like, um, I, I'll tell you what, Patch. <laughs> you don't study and you're smarter than me. How's it possible? His English accent isn't that bad, but he, he's affecting some kind of accent. Yeah, was that supposed to be English? I don't know. I don't know if it was supposed to be English or if it was supposed to be like cloistered New England accents. Yeah, that's but, what I think. But they're in Virginia. So, I mean, I don't know. Apparently, uh, Patch Adams, Hunter Adams, is from West Virginia. So. Okay. But anyway, uh, that is the movie. Uh, I don't really have anything more to say about it. No, it was very good. Very good. I would definitely recommend it. It came out in 98, obviously. came out last year, the very tail end of last year, which is why we're doing it now, because we didn't. there were movies we didn't want to watch this week, I guess. So hopefully you can get to it while it's still in the theater, but if not, definitely rent it when it comes out on video. Yeah, it's a good thing. Uh, if you haven't seen it already, go see it. But uh, other than that, uh, Carol, why don't you tell the people where they can say tight? <laughs> you can write us at latefee1994 at AOL.com. Yep. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Mm-hmm. And share the tapes with your friends. I will see you next time. Bye. Bye.